0: Welcome to the GalaPod, with me, Gala Placidia. In this episode, I'm reading part three of my fic, Dad Says. If you're not here for Dreary Fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Also, exciting news, I now have a newsletter. I'll talk more about it at the end of the episode, but you can sign up for it at newsletter.galaPod.com. I hope you enjoy, Dad Says. Chapter five. Malfoy sprang up from the sofa and threw himself around Scorpius. How was it? "'How were they? Are you all right?' he asked. "'Teddy's amazing,' said Scorpius excitedly. "'And Aunt Andromeda said I can come back whenever I like.' Harry saw Malfoy close his eyes in relief. "'Oh, well done, darling. You must have been so well-behaved,' he said. "'He was astonishingly polite,' said Harry, "'even when Andromeda was being a total nightmare.' "Manners are the best defence,' said Malfoy, without looking at Harry. Harry bit back a laugh. It was no wonder that Scorpius spent half his time quoting his dad when he insisted on speaking in aphorisms. He could practically see Scorpius filing manners are the best offence into his head for later use. Teddy said I was good on a broom, said Scorpius, now. Malfoy beamed, stroking Scorpius' soft blonde hair. I bet you wiped the floor with him, he said. Not quite, said Scorpius modestly. Are you still dreading Hogwarts? asked Malfoy. Less, admitted Scorpius. You did like Hogwarts, didn't you, Dad? I had... a complicated relationship with it. But that was my own fault, as you know. What about you, Harry? asked Scorpius. Harry blinked, surprised to be addressed. When Scorpius and Malfoy talked to each other like that, when Malfoy called Scorpius darling, it felt like the rest of the world disappeared, and it was just the two of them, united against everything. Harry had been so caught up watching them, tangled in the complex web of envy they made him feel. "'that he had almost forgotten he was still there. "'I loved Hogwarts,' he said. "'It's the only home I've ever had.' "'They both stared at him with identical looks of sympathy, "'and Harry had to rewind to work out "'what he had said to garner such a response. "'I mean, obviously I have a home. "'I'm not homeless. "'I live in a house. "'You've, um, been there, um... "'Has it been behaving itself better?' "'asked Malfoy, graciously changing the subject. "'Oh, yeah,' said Harry. "'Did you know I have an ice rink? "'On the sixth floor?' "'I didn't even know I had a sixth floor.' "'Malfoy was looking at him now, with his silvery-grey eyes. "'Would he mention Harry's letter? "'Had it angered him? "'Had he liked it?' "'You might not really have an ice rink," said Malfoy. "'It's just getting to know you. "'Once it figures out what you like, it'll redistribute its resources.' "'Harry ran his hand through his hair. "'He had just remembered that this was Malfoy's last night with Scorpius, "'and the thought saddened him for a variety of reasons. "'Magic is amazing,' he said. "'Anyway, I've got to get going.' See you tomorrow at the station, yeah? Do stay for a cup of tea, said Malfoy politely. No, thank you. I need to get home. I've got to, um... He trailed off. He was aware that Scorpius, at least, knew that he had nothing to do. No one waiting for him. Potter, I... said Malfoy. And Harry noticed that it was very hard to think of him as Malfoy all the time, when his name was Draco. Malfoy kissed the top of Scorpius's head, lost in thought. Uh, said Harry, looking at Scorpius. Is he okay? Has he, um, you know, done that thing? I'm fine, Potter. I'm just trying to think how I can thank you. I don't suppose you need a book recommendation? (sighs) Ah, said Harry. Pity, said Malfoy. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you, Harry, said Scorpius. It was really nothing, said Harry. Not to us, said Malfoy softly. Harry couldn't say anything, so he left. King's Cross was packed, but Harry spotted Malfoy and Scorpius from miles away. They were standing still, two slim, straight-backed, blonde figures among the seething crowd. As Harry got closer, he noticed several wizards in poor attempts at muggle dress knock into Malfoy deliberately. Hey, said Harry, sorry I'm late. Dad says punctuality is a form of respect, said Scorpius. Pipe down, Scorpius, said Malfoy, rolling his eyes. He quotes you a lot, you know, said Harry. Malfoy's eyes grew concerned. But you're not going to do that at school, are you, darling? I'll... I'll try not to, said Scorpius. Harry's heart squeezed. He took the trolley with Scorpius's trunk and owl and went through to the platform. Scorpius and Malfoy followed behind him. Scorpius looked up at the Hogwarts Express with a wide-eyed wonder. I love you, he heard Malfoy say, his words barely carrying over the sound of the train. Scorpius turned to his father and Harry watched as they both formulated their faces to hide their distress. Neither of them could quite manage it. "'If anyone says anything about me that you haven't heard before, write and ask me. "'I'll always tell you the truth,' said Malfoy. "'I know,' said Scorpius. "'And I'll try not to hate them.' "'Work hard,' said Malfoy. "'I always do,' said Scorpius. "'You will write, won't you?' "'Every day,' said Malfoy. "'Scorpius!' "'It was Teddy. "'He had stuck his head out of the train window. "'Scorpius smiled. "'Come sit with me!' "'Okay,' said Scorpius. Scorpius turned to Harry, then, and wrapped his arms tightly around Harry's waist. "'Please don't forget our deal,' he whispered. "'Of course not,' said Harry. "'Once a week.' Scorpius nodded, cast one more bald look of misery at his father, then wiped his face clean of emotion. "'Goodbye,' he said. "'I'll see you at Christmas,' said Malfoy. Scorpius's expressionless mask cracked, but only for a moment. "'I love you,' he said. "'I love you too.' said Malfoy, his voice husky. Harry wished he hadn't come. He was intruding. But when Scorpius got onto the train, Malfoy took a step closer to Harry so that they stood shoulder to shoulder and Harry knew that Malfoy was glad he was there. The train began to move. Other children poked their faces out of the windows, but not Scorpius. Harry suspected that he would find that sort of thing undignified. Malfoy followed the train with his eyes until it was out of sight. The platform cleared. Harry was aware of several people taking pictures of him standing with Malfoy, and knew that he would be in the Prophet the next day. But Malfoy didn't move. "'Something is severed when that train leaves the station,' said Malfoy. Eventually. Steam was still curling along the platform, but it was quiet now. I remember feeling it when I was eleven. It was like a rubber band stretching until it snapped, and no matter how many letters and parcels my parents sent, nothing could make that connection whole again.' Harry remembered Malfoy crowing as he opened his endless parcels in first year. Harry had been so jealous of him. It had never occurred to him that Malfoy might have been suffering from something as prosaic as homesickness. How could it have occurred to him? He had never had a home to miss. Malfoy seemed suddenly to realise what he had said, and who he had said it to. "'That was inconsiderate. I'm sorry, Potter.' The spell of stillness was broken. Malfoy strode through the platform barrier, heading towards the nearest apparition point. "'It's fine.' said Harry, catching up with him. Thank you for coming today. Of course, said Harry. There's no of course about it, you idiot, said Malfoy. But there was no bite to it. Teddy will look after him, said Harry. Malfoy nodded. They were out of the station now, waiting at a crossing. What if i made a terrible mistake? He asked, under his breath. He's going to love Hogwarts, said Harry. Astoria wanted him to go to Bourbeton. No one knows who I am in France. That's partly why she... She had a life insurance policy. They don't do scholarships like Hogwarts does, but... He was craning his neck, watching the cars go by. Harry found himself putting a hand on Malfoy's elbow to steady him. His eyes were wild, and Harry worried he might randomly dart out into the road. All that money, Malfoy went on, that she thought would go to him if she killed herself. She was never very organised. She hadn't counted on my fucking debts. His face went blank, and he stopped talking. Malfoy? Malfoy? said Harry, cautiously. Malfoy did not answer. He looked as if he had been imperious. Dad gets lost inside his head sometimes, Scorpius had told him, the first time they met. Harry remembered how Scorpius and Eve had called Malfoy back. Uh, Malfoy? You're in London? It's me, Harry. It didn't work. The only change was that Malfoy's forehead creased in a tiny frown. Harry put his hand on Malfoy's shoulder and shook him, to no effect, and when he tried to get Malfoy to walk, he collapsed into Harry's arms. Harry took him by the waist and half-dragged, half-carried him to the apparition point. When they got to Malfoy's flat, he fumbled through Malfoy's pockets for his keys and dragged him inside. Draco? Even Flora were in the sitting room. Harry dropped Malfoy on the sofa. He had one of his... said Harry, gesturing vaguely at Malfoy's blank expression. Draco, said Flora leaning gently over him. "'It's me, Flora. "'You're in your flat in London. Won't you come back?' "'Malfoy blinked and sat up. "'He glanced around, looking confused, "'then saw Harry. "'Awfully sorry about that, Potter,' he drawled. "'Are you all right?' asked Harry. "'Fine,' he said. "'I'll make tea,' said Flora. "'I'm sorry about the other day, Draco,' said Eve. We wanted to be here so you wouldn't be alone.' "'You're very kind,' said Malfoy, softly.' We love you, said Eve, unconditionally, even if you are a posh twat. Guilty as charged, said Malfoy. I should go, said Harry, because once more he felt as if he were intruding on something intimate. Malfoy's eyes flickered to meet his. Thanks for everything, Potter. I'll see you when Scorpius is back for the holidays if you're still... invested. Harry could feel the blood rush to his face. Uh Actually, I sort of promised Scorpius I'd check in on you once a week. Eve burst out laughing. That sly boy. Scorpius asked that of you, asked Malfoy carefully. He knows better than to bother you for favours. Well, I sort of offered, said Harry. Malfoy's mouth twitched as if he might laugh. I see. So, uh, I thought I might just keep coming to movie night, if that's okay. Knock yourself out, stalker said Malfoy. Harry blushed even harder. Right, well, goodbye. Potter, stay. We're just going to get drunk and chat shit. Stay. To his surprise, Harry found that he really wanted to, and he felt that Malfoy wasn't just being polite. So he did stay. He was mostly silent, watching the comfortable way Eve, Malfoy and Flora interacted. They drank white wine and ordered him pizza and talked about everything but Scorpius. At about eleven... A sudden green flame burst out of the fireplace, and a letter fluttered out. "'What the fuck was that?' cried Eve. "'Obliviate!' said Malfoy quickly. Flora and Eve blinked. "'What was I saying?' said Eve. Malfoy pocketed the letter. "'Something about men who won't go down on your being secretly gay,' said Malfoy, and Harry wondered how often he'd had to modify his friend's memories. "'It just makes sense,' said Eve. "'Excuse me,' said Malfoy, and Harry followed him to the kitchen.' where Malfoy had taken out the letter and was scanning it. "'What does it say?' asked Harry. "'Ravenclaw,' said Malfoy. "'He's in Ravenclaw.' "'That's brilliant,' said Harry. "'Yeah,' said Malfoy, a little sadly. "'Yeah. You were going to be disappointed either way, weren't you?' Malfoy smiled ruefully. "'Don't tell Scorpius,' he said. "'He suits Ravenclaw,' said Harry. "'Every Malfoy has been a Slytherin for the last five hundred years.' Malfoy frowned. I bet he asked that, not to put him there. That's what I did, said Harry. You? asked Malfoy, shocked. Harry nodded. Can you imagine? said Malfoy, dreamily. We might have been friends. The room was spinning, and Malfoy was stepping closer. Friends now, though, said Harry. Harry could feel Malfoy's breath on his face as he chuckled. You're drunk, said Malfoy. So are you. Breathed Harry. Mm hmm, said Malfoy, and he closed his eyes. Harry stared at him, wondering what part of him it was that made him so attractive. Was it the pale eyebrows, the porcelain skin, the pointed nose and chin, some combination of it all? Malfoy opened his eyes again, looking strangely disappointed. I'm wasted, he said, and left the kitchen. When Harry woke up the next day, he knew three things. One, he was extremely hungover. Two, His crush on Draco Malfoy was getting out of control and, three, he needed to speak to Hermione. He could barely remember stumbling home the night before. He knew they had ended up watching several episodes of a show called Absolutely Fabulous and Harry had been utterly charmed to learn that Malfoy knew all of the lines off by heart. Flora had thrown up in a pot plant and Eve had drunkenly grabbed Harry by the collar and told him that he'd be hot if he stopped wearing hoodies. But when he woke up and took his anti-hangover potion... He was sitting on his bedside table in a crystal tumbler, courtesy of the house. He couldn't stop thinking of how it had been when Malfoy got lost in his head. It had frightened Harry, and he didn't know what it meant that he had been unable to call him back to himself. Even Flora both acted as if it was nothing, which Harry worried meant it happened frequently. Hermione would know what to do. He had intended not to reach out to her until he had the energy to write a proper letter of apology, but there wasn't time for that now. He wanted to find out what was going on with Malfoy right away. He wrote a quick note, asking if he could come over for dinner, and got an answer almost instantly. Dear Harry, yes, yes, that would be lovely. Oh, Ron will be so pleased. See you tonight. Love, Hermione. Ordinarily, this response would have made Harry feel so guilty that he would have cancelled the plans last minute. But there was Malfoy to think of. What if that happened to him when he was alone? He might have been knocked into the street and run over. He might have been killed. It had been a long time, Harry realised, since anyone had needed him. The entire wizarding world used to need him, but since defeating Voldemort, no one had. Ron and Hermione had each other. Ginny had never been happier. Neville loved his job, and Luna had, rather improbably, married Millicent Bulstrode. For eleven years, people had pitied or admired him, but no one had depended on him. Without that steadying pressure, he had felt himself grow slack and rudderless. Malfoy would surely vociferously argue against the idea that he needed Harry. It didn't matter. The fact was that he did, and it felt good to be needed. Chapter 6 Hermione was visibly pregnant. I'm sorry I haven't been answering letters, said Harry, uncomfortably. It just started to feel like there was so much to say that I couldn't answer without writing you a whole novel, and I just wasn't up to it. That's what I told her, said Ron. That's why I stopped writing two ages ago. But you look good, mate. What's going on? Harry shrugged. Ron and Hermione glanced at each other, and Hermione changed the subject. For the first couple of hours, Ron and Hermione got him up to date on everything he had missed. There was a lot. The last time they had spoken, months ago, Harry had flew in without warning, paced around their living room a few times, shouted, ''Stop pitying me!'' and then stormed out. They waved away his apologies. ''You've been depressed, Harry,'' said Hermione. ''I only wish you'd let us help you.'' But that was just it. Harry didn't want to be someone who needed help. He wanted to be someone who helped. I've sort of been hanging out with Draco Malfoy, he said. Ron and Hermione looked at each other. Kingsley mentioned, said Hermione. Oh, said Harry. Hermione worked in Kingsley's office. She was on track to become Minister for Magic herself one day. Ron, meanwhile, worked as an aura. Well, it's just, said Harry, there's something weird going on with him. I knew it, said Ron. He's up to something. No, he's not. He's not said Harry sharply. He's great, actually. Really different from how he used to be. This is Malfoy we're talking about, yeah? said Ron. Ron, don't be so prejudiced, said Hermione. He was all right at the end, wasn't he? I have to say, Harry, I think he was trying to save you from Crabbe and Goyle in the Room of Requirement. Remember how he kept telling them not to kill you? I wouldn't be surprised, said Harry, who increasingly found himself looking back on his history with Malfoy in a positive light. Sometimes he had to remind himself that Malfoy really had been a bastard. "'Anyway, the point is, there's something wrong with him.' "'He explained about Malfoy getting lost in his head. "'To his surprise, it was Ron, not Hermione, who spoke when he was done. Thought damage,' he said. "'What?' Thought damage,' said Ron. "'You see it a lot with ex-prisoners. "'It's from sustained contact with dementors. "'Usually only in people who were in Azkaban for like twenty years, though.' "'Malfoy was so young when he went in,' said Hermione sadly. "'Yeah, that's true,' said Ron. "'He was probably more susceptible to it.' "'What is thought damage?' asked Harry.' It's terrible, said Ron soberly. Basically, it's when your thoughts get trained to follow certain tracks. Healthy people might get a sad thought and then chase it up with a happy one. But when you have thought damage, you stop having access to the positives. You get stuck in a kind of logic gridlock. So it's like depression? asked Harry. A bit, said Ron. Not really. It's tiny mental breakdowns. Say you have thought damage and you think, I'm bad at my job. That leads you straight into, I'm bad at everything, therefore I'll get fired, therefore no one will hire me, therefore my children will be ashamed of me, therefore they'd be better off if I were dead, therefore I'm too much of a coward to kill myself, therefore I'm bad at everything. And then you're back at the beginning again. I've heard it described as running through a house, trying to find a way out, but every door slams shut as you reach it. So how come he snaps out of it when Scorpius talks to him? asked Harry. We're thought damaged, you're just hurtling around a closed circuit, looking for an escape, said Ron. The only way out is if someone opens a door, if someone says something that breaks the circuit. This made sense. Even Flora and Scorpius all made Malfoy feel loved, so when they reminded him that they were there, they pulled him out of himself. Harry wanted to be able to do that. It's really serious, Harry, said Ron. I've heard of people going into permanent catatonic states because of it. That's awful, said Hermione. Poor Malfoy. I have to say, I think it's really unfair how he's been treated. They've completely given up on finding Narcissa's murderers. His mum was murdered, asked Harry. Ron and Hermione both made exasperated noises. Honestly, Harry, when was the last time you picked up a newspaper? Probably around 1998, said Harry. Narcissa was murdered ages ago, while Draco was still in prison, said Hermione. We don't know if it was by old supporters of Voldemort's or by Death Eater Catchers. Death Eater Catchers, said Harry. Yeah, said Ron. Vigilantes are go around beating up old Voldemort supporters. "'Shouldn't the auras be stopping them?' asked Harry hotly. "'Yeah, well, it's not exactly top priority, is it?' said Ron. "'He must have caught the thunderous expression on Harry's face "'because he hurried to continue. "'I'm not saying that's right.' "'That must be who's been after Malfoy, then,' said Harry. "'Apparently they almost killed him last spring.' "'I want to see him,' said Ron. "'What?' "'I want to see if it's really thought damage and how bad it is. "'I need to talk to him. "'Take me with you next time.' "'Mate, I don't know if that's a good idea,' said Harry.' No, Harry, he's right, said Hermione. Ron can help. Yeah, all right, said Harry. But he had a bad feeling that Malfoy wouldn't appreciate help from that particular source. He wrote Malfoy a letter. Malfoy, I have a strange request. Would you be willing to meet up with Ron? He thinks he may be able to help with that thing that happens where you tune out. I know it's going to piss you off that I'm suggesting this. Just think about it, okay? H. Potter. Potter, I am in your debt. "'If you would like me to meet up with Weasley, I will do so. "'Sincerely, D. Malfoy.'" Harry wasn't quite sure what to make of that. In the end, it was the sincerely that decided him. He knew that Malfoy's sign-offs tended to be meaningful, so that he assumed that Malfoy was sincere in his willingness to meet up with Ron. "'Ferret,' said Ron, when he stepped through the flue into Malfoy's flat. Malfoy raised his eyebrows. "'Weasel.'" "'You know, in a parallel universe, those would be adorable nicknames,' said Harry." Ron and Malfoy glared at him. Please, make yourself at home, said Malfoy, glacially. Ron sat down. Right, said Harry. Malfoy, Ron's promised not to bring up the war. Although it's still open season on you being a general pre-war git, said Ron. I see, said Malfoy. And what promise are you exacting from me to ensure this doesn't end in disaster? None, said Harry. I know you're not going to antagonise him. Malfoy looked delighted. Ron made an outraged sound. You trust him more than me? I'm very trustworthy, Weasel, said Malfoy. Try me. Tell me all your little secrets. Harry cast him a warning look, and Malfoy leant back against the seat cushions, a smug smile on his face. All right, Weasel. This was your idea. Proceed. Ron took a deep breath. Harry told us about the way you sometimes get lost in your own head. Could you describe what he means by that? Harry expected Malfoy to resist answering, but he spoke quickly and politely. "'A thought will tangle me up, and I can't get out.' Ron nodded. "'And you get trapped until Scorpius, or one of my friends, calls me out of it.' "'Why do you think that works?' asked Ron. "'I don't know,' said Malfoy. "'What's the longest it's ever lasted?' asked Ron. "'A few hours.' Ron looked at him, and Malfoy huffed. "'Maybe twelve, sixteen at the most.' Sixteen hours, repeated Harry, in horror. Malfoy shrugged. Scorpius was having a sleepover. I went through some old letters. It was foolish of me. I think you're suffering from thought damage, said Ron. It's something we see a lot of in my line of work. Harry could see Malfoy resisting making a joke about Ron's job. After a brief pause, Malfoy asked, polite as ever, And what might that be? I'm an aura," said Ron. We see thought damage a lot among people who've had prolonged exposure to Dementors. Malfoy crossed his legs but didn't say anything. "'It can be quite serious,' said Ron. "'Is there a cure?' asked Malfoy. He asked it casually, but he was fiddling with the frayed edge of the sofa. "'Treatment,' said Ron. "'It's important to see a mind healer.' "'That's not an option for me,' said Malfoy, sounding bored. "'What do you mean?' erupted Harry. Malfoy shrugged. "'Just what I said. It's not happening, so drop it. It's not a big deal, anyway.' Even Flora are always around to snap me out of it. You spent six months with your arm in a sling because a hippogriff looked at you funny, but you won't go to a mind healer when your mind's literally breaking down. Harry, back off, said Ron. Maybe I'm faking it, Potter, said Malfoy, sounding more like he did at school than he had in a long, long time. Oh, fuck off, Malfoy, with your long-suffering bullshit. Think of Scorpius, said Harry. Malfoy gave him a withering look, then turned to Ron. Tea, weasel? Ron nodded. "'and Malfoy swept gracefully out of the room. "'I'm sorry, Ron, I don't know why he's being so difficult.' "'He can't afford it,' said Ron, quietly. "'What?' "'He can't afford to go to a mine, "'That's why he's reacting like that,' said Ron. "'How do you know?' said Harry. "'Ron looked around the room, "'and Harry noticed for the first time how cheap and run-down it was. "'I just know,' said Ron. "'Well, that's not a problem. "'I'll just don't you dare offer to pay for him,' said Ron.' why not? asked Harry. Ron sighed. Because, and I can't believe I'm saying this as if I care, will make him feel like shit. Trust me. If you want to be friends with him, don't offer to pay for stuff. Harry started to argue, and then gave up. He knew Ron was right. Ron was paid a decent wage as an aura, which had lessened the financial tension between them. But he couldn't deny that Ron knew what he was talking about when it came to economic disparity within friendships. "'Malfoy returned with three mugs of tea. "'There are some things you can do on your own, without a mind healer,' said Ron. "'Oh, are we still on this? I thought we had moved on,' said Malfoy. "'Writing out your thought process can help break the logic,' said Ron. "'And avoiding talking about fraught topics except with people who you know can get through to you when you fall into a thought loop.' "'That'll be no one, then,' said Malfoy. "'Ron gave him a surprised look. "'I can hardly talk to my eleven-year-old son about all that. "'And my friends are muggles. "'You and Harry still mortal enemies, then?' asked Ron. Malfoy sipped his tea, watching Harry, and didn't answer. "'We're friends when we're drunk, at least,' said Harry. Malfoy laughed. "'It is truly bizarre to imagine you two getting drunk together,' said Ron. "'Why imagine it? Let's go to the pub,' said Malfoy. Ron narrowed his eyes. "'I'm suggesting it so that I can poison you again, Weasel,' said Malfoy. "'Finish the job.' "'Shut it, ferret.' "'Scared?' "'Obviously not.' ''Maybe it's the muggles that frighten you,'' said Malfoy. ''Malfoy, don't bait Ron,'' said Harry. Malfoy's expression tightened. ''Never mind. It was a stupid idea. I apologise for suggesting, that I understand Weasley has very good reasons not to want to get a drink with me.'' He stood, picking up Ron and Harry's still-full mugs. ''Thank you for your advice. I appreciate it.'' Ron looked at Malfoy as if he had grown a second head, then turned to Harry. ''Is he okay?'' he whispered. ''Yep,'' said Harry. ''He's just not a prat anymore.'' Malfoy went into the kitchen. "'You weren't joking,' said Ron. "'No,' said Harry. "'I thought you'd been, I don't know, bamboozled by his good looks or something,' said Ron. "'Well, there is that,' said Harry. "'He thanked me. He wants to go to the pub,' said Ron. "'I quite want to go to the pub, in fairness,' said Harry. "'Ron shook his head, looking slightly dazed. "'Well, fuck,' he said. "'Let's go to the pub with Malfoy.' Malfoy didn't relax when they told him they decided to get a drink with him. He seemed, if anything, more tense as he led them to a quiet muggle pub down the street and bought them a round of drinks. ''Quidditch,'' said Harry. Malfoy's lips twitched. ''Quidditch will bridge the divide between us, Potter? Is that your suggestion?'' ''Yes,'' said Harry. ''Hmm, I'll bite. Favourite team, Whistle? No, wait, let me guess.'' Harry was right. ''Quidditch proved a rich topic.'' and soon Ron and Malfoy were cheerfully arguing about the Chudley Cannons. From there, they began to talk about muggle culture, which Ron could not seem to believe Malfoy knew so much about. Malfoy bought round after round of drinks because he was the only one with muggle money, and the more Ron drank, the more vocally impressed he was with how easily Malfoy handled the unfamiliar coins. Harry leant back in the booth, feeling something that he realised was pretty close to contentment as Malfoy explained the internet to Ron. So... What does this Facebook poking feature do? asked Ron. Malfoy widened his eyes dramatically. Harry idly wondered if Malfoy had ever tried wearing eyeliner. No one knows for sure, Weasel, but it's almost certainly sexual. Occasionally, Harry would overhear Malfoy telling Ron some absurd lie about muggle culture, and he would have to intervene. Ron, don't listen to him. Muggles do not have to take electricity tablets to charge their phones. Oh, do they not? asked Malfoy innocently. I must have misunderstood. So sorry, Weasel. You're an untrustworthy git, you know, said Ron. Harry trusts me not to antagonise you, said Malfoy smugly. You just called me Harry, said Harry. Malfoy looked mortified. It's because of Scorpius. He always calls you Harry. He's giving me his bad habits. No problem, Draco, said Harry. Malfoy glowered at him. Fuck, said Ron. You two are actually friends, aren't you? I'd never be friends with Potter. "'said Malfoy, putting his nose in the air. "'Yeah, we hate each other,' agreed Harry. "'Get us another drink, Malfoy. "'You're a drunkard. What'll it be?' "'By the time Ron said he had to go home, "'they were all quite tipsy. "'Well, I'm going clubbing,' announced Malfoy. "'You go clubbing alone?' asked Ron. "'Yes,' said Malfoy, leaning into Ron's ear suggestively. "'But I never leave alone.' Girl off me!' said Ron. "'I'll come with you, Malfoy,' said Harry. "'Not dressed like that, you won't.' "'Whatever, just fix me up like last time,' said Harry. "'Last time?' spluttered Ron. "'When they got outside, Ron hugged Harry goodbye. "'You're still a twat,' he told Malfoy. "'I can't tell you what you are, "'because Harry trusts me not to antagonise you, "'but I assure you that my thoughts regarding you "'remain extremely antagonistic.' "'Ron laughed and disapparated. "'Right, now to fix the car crash that is your fashion sense,' "'said Malfoy, casting several spells at Harry. "'Hey, where'd my hoodie go?' said Harry. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you must have put that on by mistake. I'm afraid I've banished it. What a shame. <laughs> You're such a dick, said Harry, knocking his shoulder into Malfoy's, who grinned. It was strange how easy it was to tell that Malfoy had enjoyed himself, with Ron. You're better around him, said Malfoy. What do you mean? asked Harry. Malfoy tilted his head and fixed Harry with a contemplative look. You're a bit more, I don't know, awake. You should see him more. Harry frowned. I see him. When you went to the loo, he said he's lucky if he sees you three times a year. Malfoy ran his hand over the back of his neck. Just don't undervalue old friends, you know. You're fortunate to have them. Not for the first time, Harry wondered what had happened to all of Malfoy's friends from Slytherin. Crab was dead, and Goyle was still in prison. But what of the others? Pansy and Blaze, and all the other Slytherins who used to laugh at Malfoy's jokes and admire everything he did. Draco, he began, but Malfoy shook his head, as if he were trying to get water out of his ears, and grabbed Harry's elbow and apparated them to the club. As before, Malfoy bought them a row of shots. Harry would have to start carrying around muggle money, he decided. It wasn't right that Malfoy was paying for everything, especially if Ron was right about his finances. When they had done the shots, Malfoy pressed his face to Harry's ear. Harry shivered. Tell me the hottest guy you'll see and I'll get him for you, said Malfoy his lips touching Harry's ear on some of the words. Harry leant back to look at Malfoy, who scanned the crowd impassive. Even if he hadn't been handsome, Harry would have wanted to eat him up with a spoon. But yeah, he was also pretty fucking handsome. Uh, that guy, said Harry, pointing at an attractive guy across the room. You really like blondes, said Malfoy. Harry was too embarrassed to answer. Malfoy took him by the wrist, and it was like the last time. Malfoy had a whispered conversation with the guy, who then came over and put his hands around Harry's waist. What did he say to you? asked Harry, when they got back to the guy's flat. His name was Evan. An uncomfortable thought had occurred to him. What if Malfoy was using magic to get people to go home with Harry? He wanted to think Malfoy would never do something like that, but he had been a Death Eater. That you were shy, but you liked me, said Evan. And that if I did anything you didn't like, you'd kill me. What? said Harry. Evan smiled and kissed him. told me to take care of you, he said. But why did you agree? asked Harry. Evan laughed. Mate, look at you, he said. Who wouldn't? Chapter 7 Dear Harry, Hogwarts is the best place in the whole world. I can't believe I didn't want to come. Anthea says it's no wonder I didn't want to because of prejudice, but she believes in tabula rasa, which means blank slate, and whenever people say things about Dad, she quotes this long speech or something from an 18th century philosopher until they go away. It works much better than you would think, although that may be because of the jelly legs jinx Titus casts on them while Anthea talks. Titus and Anthea are my best friends, and I can't wait for you to meet them. Is Dad okay? Yours sincerely, Anthea says I've been spelling it wrong all this time, you should have said, Scorpius. Dear Scorpius, Your friends sound wonderful. I can't wait to meet them. I know I wrote after the movie night two days ago, but I ended up seeing your dad again today. We went to the National Portrait Gallery and he told me about all the people in history who were secretly witches and wizards. I learned a lot. He's been well. He hasn't had another episode since the one I told you about after he got on the train. Hope you're having a good time. Say hello to Hagrid for me. Maybe show him this letter. Hagrid, be nice to Scorpius. I'm pretty fond of him. Your friend, Harry. Dear Harry, Hagrid warmed right up to me when I showed him your letter. I think he was a little... Well, Dad told me not to expect Hagrid to like me, so it was really, really nice that he invited Anthea and Titus and me around for tea tomorrow. I'm not very good at defence, but I've been coming top in the year in potions. Is Dad okay? Yours sincerely, Scorpius. Dear Scorpius, I bet Hagrid would love your dad if he met him now. Make sure you don't eat any of his rock cakes, i glue your jaws shut. But don't tell him I said that. I saw your dad again today. We went for a drink and talked about Eve's new boyfriend, who is huge. Bigger than Nick. It's actually quite scary. Not surprised you're doing well in potions. Your dad was always brilliant in that. I can help you with defence over Christmas if you like. Your friend, Harry. Dear Harry, Don't tell Dad, but a fourth-year Gryffindor named Henry Biggs had some pretty horrible things to me today. Titus and Anthea weren't around, and I know it's important for me to be above reproach. And anyway, Dad says manners are the best defence. So I stayed very still until he was done, and I said I understood why he felt that way. He hit me in the back with a stinging hex when I left. Anthea says that was cowardly of him, and that I behaved like a gentleman. Titus says I should have blasted him with the jelly legs. It's okay, though. I understand why Henry Biggs was upset. It doesn't make it right, but I understand. Is Dad okay? Yours sincerely, Scorpius. Dear Scorpius, Henry Biggs had no right to do that to you, and Anthea is right. He is absolutely a coward. I'm so sorry that happened. You don't deserve that at all. I know your dad would approve of how you reacted, and I see his point, but personally, I would have gone the jelly-legs route, like your friend Titus. I saw your dad today. We went to a party at Nick and Flora's. He seemed happy, although he misses you a lot. Your friend, Harry. Dear Harry, that howler you sent Henry Biggs was incredible. He looked like he was going to sink through the floor. Everyone was talking about it. Anthea says you shouldn't have because you're a public figure and supposed to be non-partisan, but Teddy, Titus, and I all think it was wicked. Is Dad okay? Yours sincerely, Scorpius. Every week, Harry only intended to check in on Malfoy once, and every week he ended up seeing him an awful lot more than that. Malfoy's friends kept inviting him places for one thing. He went with Malfoy and his friends to plays, to restaurants, to the pub. He went to movie night. About once a week, he went clubbing with Malfoy. It was always the same routine. Tell me the hottest guy you see and I'll get him for you. Malfoy whispering to a good-looking stranger, a night of meaningless sex and a strange, empty feeling the next morning. Harry saw Malfoy so often because he fancied him, of course. Because he loved watching Malfoy in different situations, seeing him shift from poised to comfortable in a matter of seconds depending on who he was with. He went because he liked Malfoy's friends. Liked how they didn't know who Harry Potter was, only Harry. But mainly, he went because he knew Malfoy needed him. Malfoy had no one else to talk to properly about Scorpius, and Harry liked being there for him. When Scorpius won a potions prize, he and Malfoy went to the pub. Harry listened patiently as Malfoy explained all the details of the potions Scorpius had made, what could have gone wrong, how Malfoy had primed him for success by teaching him potions basics before Scorpius went to Hogwarts. When Malfoy told him, in an offhand sort of way, that he didn't know what the Ravenclaw common room looked like, Harry described it to him. Thank you. "'said Malfoy, often. "'Harry didn't like being thanked "'nearly as much as he liked "'the way Malfoy looked at him "'when he thanked him. "'He was seeing a lot more of Ron, "'which was also because of Malfoy. "'A few days after they had gone to the pub together, "'Harry went to Malfoy's "'and found Ron already there. "'He's not going to say yes,' said Malfoy. "'Say yes to what?' asked Harry. "'I want to play a game of chess "'with this poisonous git, "'but we need an umpire,' said Ron. "'An umpire? "'For chess?' asked Harry. I don't trust him not to cheat, said Ron. Cheating is an integral part of chess, said Malfoy, studying his nails. No, it isn't, said Ron. Well, I don't trust you not to be a sore loser. I don't fancy nursing a black eye all week just because losing your queen made you feel emasculated, said Draco. Come on, Harry, say you'll do it, pressed Ron. Uh, yeah, all right, said Harry. And actually, Ron and Malfoy did need an umpire for chess. Malfoy managed to cheat in such varied and elaborate ways that most of the game was devoted simply to figuring out just how he was doing it. When Ron lost, he picked up the board and tried to hit Malfoy over the head with it. Malfoy taunted him, Ron blustered, Harry put up a shield charm, and they agreed to meet at the same time next week to do it all again. Harry and Malfoy almost never talked about the past, but once in a while Harry gleaned a snippet of information about what he privately thought of as Draco's lost years. "Millie," asked Malfoy in surprise." Luna Lovegood married Millie Bilstrode. They were walking along the Thames, having just left a drink party at Eve's. Yeah, said Harry. Unexpected, right? I don't know. Malfoy looked thoughtful. I did wonder. I ran into Millie when I was getting Scorpius's books and Diagon Alley. She didn't snub me. You think Luna told her not to, said Harry. Malfoy shrugged, a cold, jerky movement. Luna was kind to me, in the manner. Harry didn't say anything, waiting for Malfoy to go on. Malfoy often needed a bit of space to talk, as if he wanted to be sure that he wasn't hijacking the conversation. She and Dean came to Astoria's funeral, he said after a few moments. His breath was shaky. It's extraordinary how good some people are. Harry could sense Malfoy was close to getting trapped in his thoughts, so he knocked their shoulders together. We help you buy some new clothes sometime, he asked. It worked. Malfoy laughed, and Harry knew they had got away from the treacherous black hole in Malfoy's brain. "'Yes,' said Malfoy, "'but you have to give yourself over entirely to my superior judgment.' "'Of course,' said Harry. "'That night, Harry reached out to Luna and Dean. "'He hadn't spoken to either of them in years, but they both answered right away. "'The next day, they came over for dinner. "'Harry should have been nervous. "'He knew he had been a terrible friend to both of them. "'He had dropped out of contact.' and he had known for a long time that he ought to rectify the situation. But he couldn't be nervous. He had to ask them about Malfoy. As with Ron and Hermione, they spent the first few hours catching him up on their lives. When they asked him questions about himself, he deflected. Your house is lovely, said Luna, as they finished their ice cream. The crystal dishes disappeared when they were done, and tiny porcelain bowls of mints appeared in their stead, along with a silver cart laden with tea paraphernalia. Thanks, I had a bit of help with it. Harry paused. "'I've been spending a lot of time with Draco Malfoy.' "'How is he?' asked Dean, at the same time as Luna said. "'Is he okay?' "'Yeah, he's all right,' said Harry. "'A bit lonely sometimes, I reckon.' "'We haven't seen him since his wife's funeral,' said Luna. "'He mentioned that you guys were there,' said Harry. "'It was awful,' said Luna, in a low voice. "'He saw us and went blank behind the eyes.' "'We shouldn't have gone,' said Dean.' No, he was glad you came, said Harry. But he went completely to pieces when he saw us, said Dean. It was like he wasn't there anymore. He only snapped out of it when his son started crying. It was awful, said Luna again. I think if you were up for it, I think it would help him to see you guys again, said Harry. If it means we'll see you more, I'm game, Harry, said Dean. I felt sorry for him at the manor, said Luna. Dean nodded. They treated him worse than us most of the time, he said. He was in over his head. So you'll see him, asked Harry. Anytime, said Dean. Luna and Dean want to see you, said Harry. Malfoy's hand froze, holding his bishop. What? he said. Stop hovering, said Ron. Put your bloody bishop down already. Malfoy knocked out Ron's knight. They were playing muggle chess because they were in a games cafe. What do you say? Up for it? asked Harry. I figured I could invite them to movie night if you want. Not a good idea, said Ron. I don't think Luna can pass for a muggle. Ron had been to one movie night. It had not gone well. Malfoy had had to obliviate his friends three times and told Ron he couldn't come again. They don't want to see me, said Malfoy. He squinted at Harry. Hang on. How long is it since you last saw them? A few nights ago. Years before that, said Harry. Malfoy considered him for a moment, then hunched his shoulders. Sure, I'll see them, if you're there. They decided to meet in the quiet muggle pub near Malfoy's house. Harry had learnt pretty early on that Malfoy refused point-blank to go anywhere in the wizarding world, and after what he had seen in Diagon Alley, Harry couldn't really blame him. Harry, Ron and Malfoy got there early. Malfoy was dressed rather severely, with his hair slicked back. He was wearing a tie. He barely spoke as Harry ordered them a round of drinks. He had picked up one of the cardboard coasters and was turning it over in his hands, his eyes fixed on the door. Harry could feel him trembling next to him. He blanked out the moment Luna and Dean arrived. Shit, said Ron. Malfoy stared straight ahead, that eerie and passive look on his face. Oh dear, said Luna. Maybe we should go. No, wait, said Harry. Just sit down. They did, and Harry leant in close to Malfoy. Hey, mate, he said. It's Harry. Come on, hang out with us. His heart was in his throat. He had Eve's number, in case this didn't work, but he had a feeling, a hope, that he wouldn't need to call her. Malfoy blinked. He turned to look at Harry. Their noses were almost touching. "'This is a bad idea,' he said. "'Don't be such a drama queen,' said Harry. Malfoy's eyes flashed with anger. "'I'm not—' "'It's just a drink. You can do it,' said Harry. "'It's going to happen again. A thought-damage thing. I can tell,' said Malfoy. "'That's okay,' said Harry.' He tipped his head suddenly forward and nudged his nose into Malfoy's, who made a shocked sound. Now say hello, you're being rude. Malfoy turned to look at Dean and Luna, who had observed all this with puzzled expressions. Hello, he said. I- It's good of you to see me. We wanted to, said Luna. How have you been? Malfoy was mostly silent throughout the evening. Dean and Luna didn't speak much either, so Ron and Harry carried the conversation. Malfoy continually went blank behind the eyes, sometimes with so little fanfare that it was Luna who had to point it out. Harry would lean over and quietly ask him to come back. And Malfoy did come back, every time, with a quick little apology. "'I'm sorry, I know this is much harder for you than it is for me,' he said to Dean and Luna, the third time it happened. "'I don't know if that's true,' said Luna. "'We should bring Hermione next time,' said Ron, loudly. Malfoy rubbed his eyes. He had been about to blank out again, and Harry was grateful that Ron had noticed. "'Next time,' said Malfoy, faintly. "'Yeah, they do a pub quiz on Thursdays,' said Harry. "'That's not fair. It'll be all muggle stuff,' said Ron. "'Luna and I will be rubbish. "'Hermione will know history, Dean will know sport, and Draco is great with pop culture,' said Harry. "'I am pretty good at pub quizzes,' admitted Malfoy. His eyes flickered over to Dean and Luna. "'Good idea,' said Luna. "'Maybe I can bring Millie.' a muscle tensed in Malfoy's jaw. I'd like to see Millie, he said. Harry glowed with pleasure. It was amazing how easy it was to make plans with his friends when he was doing it for Draco, not himself. Where before he would agonise over letting them down, over whether he'd have the energy to field questions about himself, now he thought only of how much happier Draco would be if he were more connected to the wizarding world. Hermione couldn't come to the pub quiz the next week, but Luna brought Millicent Bulstrode. Draco and Millie sat next to each other and talked in quiet undertones all evening. He didn't blank out once. The next day, Draco finally took Harry shopping. They went to Harrods. Draco was more Malfoyish than Harry had seen him in a while, imperiously demanding things from salespeople, refusing to let Harry pick anything out for himself and insulting Harry's fashion sense to anyone who would listen. Harry was surprised to find that he thoroughly enjoyed it. Green, said Harry, as Draco handed him a cashmere jumper, I haven't got an agenda, Potter. Take this up with your eyes, not me. I'm only matching them. Harry was forced to admit that green was his colour when he tried the jumper on. He looked. Well, Harry hadn't thought he could look like that. Draco stood next to him in the mirror. They looked good together, Draco in his crisp white shirt, Harry in his soft green jumper. Think how different everything would have been if you'd been in Slytherin, said Draco. You might actually have pulled... "'I'll have you know, I snogged two girls at Hogwarts,' said Harry. "A "'Casanova?' said Draco. "'Go on, how many people did you snog then?' asked Harry. "'A gentleman never tells,' said Draco. Harry sighed. "'I wish you'd help me buy robes,' he said. "'No can do,' said Draco lightly. "'All this is a bit of a waste of time,' said Harry, brushing his hands up and down the soft cashmere sleeves. "'I'll still look like an idiot in the real world.' "'This world's real enough to me,' "'said Draco, and Harry knew he had upset him. "'He could tell from the way Draco's voice had become neater and more precise, "'his posture straighter, everything about him refining and heightening. "'He shrugged on elegance like a coat he had thought he was allowed to take off, "'and Harry didn't know what to do about it. "'If he apologised, Draco would act as if he were crazy. "'Harry knew him well enough to know that. "'Draco,' he began, "'I should get home,' said Draco. "'Get a pint with me first,' said Harry. "'Draco could never resist the pub.' Not that he drank so much. Sometimes they went to the pub and just got tea. Harry thought it was because pubs were old-fashioned. Draco's local might as well have been the Leaky Cauldron. Draco could go to a pub and pretend. One drink, said Draco. Harry apparated home with his shopping and met Draco at the pub. Draco was silent and drawn, and Harry knew he really would go after one drink. Harry desperately wanted him to stay, so he began to talk. He talked about the Dursleys about how he still had trouble identifying hunger pangs because he had become so immune to them growing up. He talked about the cupboard and relating to that boa constrictor in the zoo. Malfoy laughed when Harry told him about setting the boa free. He talked about his horrible second-year summer. "'I remember thinking I would even want to see you, if only to prove that Hogwarts really existed,' he said. Draco raised his eyebrows but didn't say anything. Harry told him about the bars on the window and the flap in the door and about feeling crazy.' That came up again and again, he told Malfoy, feeling crazy. He skipped ahead then, to the years since the war. They were on their third drink now, or maybe their fourth. Draco sat quietly, asking infrequent, neutral questions. So what then? What did you tell them? What did you think? But mostly he was silent, his grey eyes calm and soothing, as Harry explained how washed up and spent he felt. How everyone still expected things from him, and he couldn't keep delivering. How he was a shit friend and a shit adult. How he lived a selfish little life. And I know you'll call me stuck up, but I think a lot about my biographies. Dumbledore's biographies are packed all the way through. Draco blinked several times when Harry said Dumbledore, but he stayed present. Because Dumbledore accomplished just as much at the end of his life as at the beginning. But my biographies will be top-heavy. It'll be twenty chapters to cover my life up until seventeen, one to sum up the rest. The happy ending, said Draco. It was the most opinionated thing he'd said in hours. They were on their sixth pint now, probably. Hard to tell. Harry was a little dizzy. Yeah, exactly. And then he lived happily ever after, said Harry. Draco didn't say anything. He just listened. Harry didn't know what he was thinking. He only knew that Draco hadn't left. I sometimes think the story would have been neater if I had stayed dead, said Harry. What do you mean? asked Draco, measured and patient. Harry explained and explained and explained, and it was impossible to know whether Draco understood because he was so quiet. Let's... let's go clubbing, said Harry, when the bell rang for last call. Draco frowned. Okay, he said, slowly. They irresponsibly aberrated to the club. It was much louder than the pub. Draco got them shots, as he always did, although Harry was extremely drunk by now. Draco was too. He swayed as he ordered. Let's dance first, said Harry. Malfoy frowned again. He was still upset, maybe, thought Harry. It was hard to think. They made their way to the dance floor, and Draco rested his arms on Harry's shoulders, crossing his wrists behind Harry's head. His eyes were glassy. Harry put his hands on Draco's waist for the first time since he had briefly pretended to be Draco's boyfriend at Eve's wine and cheese party. He kept thinking of how Draco had looked in the bathroom in sixth year, blood spurting out of his chest. Sectum Sempra. It had come from the Latin for always cut. A cut that would last forever. He remembered how dazed Draco had looked as he bled to death. How fragile. He was the same now, thought Harry. Dazed. Fragile. You know the drill, Potter, said Draco into his ear. Tell me the hottest guy you see and I'll make sure he goes home with you. Harry hadn't been this drunk since those first few months after the war when he would crawl into his bathtub every night after the trials and drink until he passed out. You, he said. That was part three of Dad Says, written and read by Galla Placidia. As I mentioned, I now have a newsletter where every two weeks or so I'll send my musings on writing and fic and books. Uh, I would love for you to join, and you can do so at newsletter.gallopod.com. Tune in next week for part four of Dad Says.